Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. We on that haunted ground. The three spooked girls. Hey there, spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and as always, I am joined by my beautiful gal pal, Tara. Hey, spooksters. So today we're doing something a little different. Typically, this would either be like a patron select or a stabby. So this stabby is really going to be about a movie I watched, which is true crime related. And it is the new Ted Bundy movie. Mm. I heard about this this Ted Bundy movie coming out. And I was like, fuck, another one? God damn. Like, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Especially when I saw for the fucking Chad Michael Murray one, I was like, please stop. Right. Please no, stop. This is not that. This movie <laughs> is called No Man of God. It came out this year. You can get it. Um, I just saw that when I was on IMDb. It said that you could rent it on Prime, but also um, you can get it on Apple TV because I think that's where they released it was on Apple TV. It stars Elijah Wood as Bill Hagmire, who is the famous profiler. He was one of the first original five profilers with the FBI, which, by the way, in 1984, they tell I love. OK, I want to say this. I love that they did like. You know when they do movies, but they overlay like real facts into it, but it's definitely like a movie, not like a mockumentary type thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I learned that in 1984, President Ronald Reagan announced the establishment of the National Center for the Analysis of Violent Crimes. And that's when they picked the first five profilers and Bill was one of them. Wow. Mm-hmm. The movie kind of starts off Elijah Wood's character, who's Bill, which by the way, can we just have like a moment to appreciate the fact that Elijah Woods is an amazing actor and has the greatest gift on the planet <laughs> you're right though <laughs> i listened to the podcast armchair expert everyone knows that i love Dak shepherd and he was on it like i wasn't considering watching this movie at all because tara and i've talked about like the oversaturation of ted bundy movies and how it's just like every few years they like vomit his story over and over again and he was talking about like kind of the difference in this movie and it's more of after he's been arrested he's been sentenced and it's the last like few years of ted's life and kind of the relationship that ted developed with the fbi this one if you're interested in like if like let's say that you have no idea who ted bundy is um (laughs) which how it how are you a true crime fan and not know (laughs) yeah what the fuck (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Like I just thought about it. I was like, oh God, it's like introduction to true crime. But really a lot of the movies go in and they talk, like they highlight his horrific crimes, which they were. I'm not downplaying those at all. They really focus on the gruesome aspect and they don't really like talk about, which is why I think I got into the fascinating part of serial killers is the psychological aspect behind them. It's why I like shows like Criminal Minds. It highlights the psychological like how to understand people that are quote unquote crazy. And I'll talk about that in a minute. It starts off with Elijah Woods driving in a car and he's listening to the Ted Bundy tapes. <laughs> they only laugh because as he's sitting at a stoplight, a woman pulls up next to him. And it's literally that meme where you're like at the drive through and you have to like turn your true crime <laughs> podcast down because mm-hmm. it's so gruesome and you don't want the person to think you're a psycho. But like this was like in the 80s. So there wasn't true crime podcast. <laughs> And this guy is like listening to the serial killer talk about strangling a woman. Yeah. And this woman just pulls up next to him and she's just like, oh, I think she runs the red light. She's like, no, no, (laughs) not this man. (laughs) I was like, good for her. But yeah, so it kind of starts off. It lays the groundwork. The movie lays the groundwork, like how they get to this point where Bill is going to eventually go talk to Ted. And how it is, is at this point in the time in this profiling program, they've interviewed 36 serial killers or 36 murderers. And they've been commissioned to do another 36 and they're opening it up to like rape and other violent crimes. And so they start like hitting the big ones. Like they say Berkowitz, a a few other names, and then they say Bundy. And basically they were supposed to like raise their hand and be like, I'll take a stab at this person. Like with Berkowitz, someone's like, I know someone who works at the jail. I might be able to get in there to talk to him because I know somebody who knows them type thing. And then, you know, they say Bundy and everyone just kind of laughs and they're like, okay, guys, who wants Bundy? And Bill raises his hand and is like, I'll do this. Bill volunteers. Everyone kind of laughs at him. And they tell you how Bill became part of this. He actually wasn't like a profiler. And later in the movie, he tells Ted how he became part of the FBI, which is that he was actually went to school to become a guidance counselor for high school. And then he got drafted and he was working at a military prison as like a counselor. And then he kind of got into law enforcement from there and he busted this big like he got a CI. He got an informant for this big armored car bust. Okay, okay. So everyone kind of knows his reputation of like getting the people to talk that don't talk. Mm -hmm. People don't talk but Bill can somehow get them to talk to him. So he's like, yeah, I'll take a stab at Bundy. And then one of the things that Bill says, he's like, I don't want any crime scene photos. I just want his biography. Which I was like, that's a smart move because if you start looking at the crimes themselves, you might be like, the fuck? This guy's fucked up. I think this is kind of like the duality of when you're trying to like get inside someone's head. You can't really look at what they've done because that's going to always stop you because of the brutality of it. So he was looking at it purely psychologically and behind the scenes. And when, you know, Bill reaches out, Ted tells him, okay, you want to talk to me? You write me a letter. And so he starts off writing a letter and it's like, dear Mr. Bundy. And then he like throws the page away and he writes, dear T, like to Ted. So it's super informal, just very like, hey, we're friends, that type of thing. And so then they start exchanging letters back and forth. And Ted is really interested in the Green River Killer, which we talked about when we did the Green River Killer case and a little bit when we first did Ted Bundy a long time ago. So they kind of discussed the case. Obviously, they can't tell him like actual details of the case because that's a no-no. But it gets to the point where Ted says, come on down and we'll talk. So he goes, so Bill goes to Florida. I love this part because he gets to the prison and even the warden's like, he's not going to fucking talk to you. Like you're wasting your time. The warden like calls and is like, hey, guard person, can you tell Ted Bundy that Bill 
Hagmire is here to see him. And he's like, smirk it. And then the guard says, oh, yeah. He said, I'll talk to him. He's like, put him on. He's like, Bundy? Yeah, Hagmire's here to see you. Oh, really? Uh, okay. <laughs> and it's like, I'll, I'll see him. <laughs> and then he basically, the warden gives him this message or this like warning. He's like, look, he's just going to fuck with you. He's literally going to toy with you. He's going to, you know, and then he's just going to get up and leave and go jerk off to the memory of your conversation. Which I was like, Ooh, that's, <laughs> you know, and it was just really funny because how Bill handles it isn't like, oh, that's just disgusting. He goes, okay, whatever. <laughs> it's just like good for him. Like, you know, we'll see what happens. So then they arrange it and you can tell that like Bill is kind of nervous because he's about to sit down with a man who has like killed dozens of people and, you know, that kind of thing. So the actor playing Ted is Luke Kirby. And I will say that in all of the Ted Bundy movies I have ever watched, this man hits the mannerisms perfectly. It's like he probably sat and watched every documentary, everything, and got the mannerisms down. You know, that weird little like fucking smirky head thing he does mm-hmm. where he like, you know, like he gets low and he like, so I was like, oh my, oh my God, I'm watching Ted Bundy. Like, stop. <laughs> yeah. And so Bill starts talking to Ted about this. And he doesn't say like, well, you're in here because like you're a murderer and you're a rapist and you're blah, blah, blah. He calls it his situation, which immediately interests Ted because it's not saying like, not till like towards the end of the movie. But there's never this moment at the beginning where Ted, if you were to look on this from the outside, you would think that Bill didn't think he was guilty because the relationship that he's building. And he says, you know, I'm just interested in the psychological part of serial killers. And then Ted kind of goes off on him about like the bureau and how fucked up they are and blah, blah, blah. And a guard comes in and like yells at him like, don't you, if you point your finger at him again, you won't be able to use your finger for a year. And it's kind of this moment where like Ted and Bill kind of have this moment, which by the way, when I wrote Ted and Bill, the first thing I thought of was like Bill and Ted's credit. Oh, I love those movies. And I was like, oh no, like I'm just gonna, you know that. Bill says, oh, we're just having a lively discussion. Cause like Ted is like the fucking bureau, blah, blah, blah. And he just kind of like confirming that he hates the bureau. Once the guard leaves and they Ted sits back down and they start talking, Bill kind of appeals to Ted's brain because we know that Ted Bundy was an extremely intelligent person. Like if you're one of those people who are like, oh, how intelligent can be? The only reason he got caught was doing something stupid, unrelated. If Ted Bundy hadn't been pulled over for not driving with his lights on, he wouldn't have ever been caught, I don't think. Or like, I don't think he would have been caught for a very long time. Like we'd have Mm -hmm. a different story here. Like how the Golden State Killer type of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would have come down to DNA or even like how they're looking at the Zodiac now. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I think we would be looking at a different story. So he appeals to the fact that they both have psychology degrees. Um, and he actually says to Ted, like, you're actually more educated than I am because you almost have a law degree. And it really appeals to that brain. And so then they start talking about the pornography of it. And Ted kind of dismisses it. But he starts talking about like, it's not necessarily the pornography. And Bill kind of says, it's not watching a woman undress. It's the control. It's the euphoric feeling of sexual pleasure while hurting someone. And like, he's saying this to Ted. And Ted kind of confirms this and says, it's not Playboy that gets you in trouble. It's the fucking detective magazines that have the women on the front you know, and they show you some of them, like the cover. And it's these women who are like scantily clad with their bosoms out and they're being held with a knife to their throat. And it's these detective stories about how they busted this rapist or something like that. But it's really the marriage of these two ideas of this violent crime and this fucking crazy ass sexual arousal. So it's not necessarily porn that did it. It's the fact that 
there was a type of porn out there that married the two concepts of violence and sex. And I'm not talking, like, we're not talking like, oh, I have a kink where, like, you know, I like this or this or this. It's like, no, it's like where men were getting off reading to other men doing violent crimes to women. So then this is the part of the story where Ted's like, well, how did you become part of the Bureau? And Bill tells him, like, I was a guidance counselor. I was drafted. He's like, I couldn't go to Vietnam because my brother was shot over there. So my brother taking that bullet literally prevented me from having to go overseas. But I worked in a military prison and it was interesting. And he goes, oh, so you dealt with serial killers? And he's like, yeah, I did. Because, I mean, there's literally a whole podcast out there talking about, like, military (laughs) true crime. So, uh, which you guys should check out. It's good. Yes, military murder. Yeah. Margo's the best. We love her. Definitely. And then he asks Bill about his background and he talks about his father being a drunk and whatnot. And so, and Ted knows right who he, like who he is. He knows that he got this informant to talk and busted this big armored car heist thing. This is where Ted kind of like tells him, like, this is where the establishment of this relationship is. But they're going to talk and all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. But he says that the FBI are like fishermen and that they catch the small fish because they're arrogant and they get caught and they're easily caught. And then there's the medium fish who get caught because they're lazy, because they commit a crime. They don't clean up after themselves, things like that. And then there's the big fish who see and watch everything. They eat smaller fish and they only get caught if you become one of them. And it's this moment and he tells Bill that one day he will take him. He literally says, I'll take you under the water and show you how deep it goes, which we will get to later in the movie. (laughs) And so this is kind of the end of the conversation. And, you know, Ted's done and, you know, they're leaving and everything like that. And, you know, Bill's like, is there anything I can get you? And he's like, I want gum. And he's like, because uh, I think the wrappers are contraband. I'm not quite sure why. I don't I don't need to know why. <laughs> but so he then he's like, I'll bring you gum. So Bill goes back. He talks to his boss, Roger, and they debrief. And he goes, you do know this guy is guilty. And he's like, of course I know that he's guilty. And he's proud of it. Like he knows I know, like he he's guilty and he's proud that he's guilty. So that happens in 1985. And then 1986, he goes back. He brings him gum. They start talking. This is when they start recording some interviews. The one thing that Ted it says is like, he wants to be able to control when that recorder goes off. So if Ted says, turn it off, it gets turned off. And then they can have a conversation. And Bill does honor that throughout the the whole movie. Like if Ted's like, turn it off, he turns it off. And I'm like, sometimes I bet he was like, I wish I fucking recorded that. Because I'm sure he went out and wrote like everything down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they start talking about the Green River Killer. Because this is, I think, how Bill really gets inside Ted is that he talks about it. And he's saying that how the Green River Killer is a living, breathing, like, viable human being just going about his life. That he isn't a monster because he didn't start out that way. That something changed along the way. And he said, you know, he's talking about how, like, this guy is bold because he's go- like, even though everybody knows these sex workers are going missing, he still goes back and hunts in the same area. I mean, listen to the Green River Killer case because we definitely like talk about how like the police came to his door while he had someone tied up in his house. Like, mm-hmm. that's crazy. And then Ted starts talking about Idaho, which, by the way, I was like, I don't really remember people talking about Idaho because apparently Ted has victims in Idaho. And remember how they were like, Ted was trying to, in the last few days of his life, be like, there's more victims out there that you don't know about. Apparently, Idaho was this. Oh, shit. They didn't have Idaho in before. Mm -hmm. 
And so he talks about how like it's not like all at once. It's not like someone is just like, okay, I'm I'm just gonna go out and kill someone. And he he kind of relays it to someone who's a skier. Like, you know, you can read about skiing, watch movies about skiing, study skiing, and then one day you're like, I think I'm gonna do that. And he's like, that's kind of how murder is. Like you think about it, you watch stuff about it, and then one day you go, I think I'll try this. And he's talking about the Green River Killer, that he has to either be unemployed or work part-time, that he has no schedule because he kills every day of the week. And he's not married or has a steady girlfriend. And he talks about people stopping. And the thing that I think was interesting is Ted says that normal people kill people. Bill kind of tells a story about this moment, like his dad would come home from work and didn't want to be interrupted to watch his show. So he'd make Bill go into the basement. And then there was a rat. And then during the summer, the rat attacked him. And the dad goes downstairs and like, kills the rat with a baseball bat and then makes Bill go clean it up. And I'm thinking like, this is the trauma, like having to clean up this dead animal. Really, he's talking about it's the silence because then he missed the rat. And Ted, like, it's like something inside of Ted goes, oh, this makes sense to me. And it's interesting because he, Ted asks him, could you kill someone? And his response, I was not prepared for. And he's like, yeah, I could kill someone and get away with a body, like, I, get away with it. Like, I know how to dispose of bodies. I know how to handle all this. And this is Bill saying this, not Ted. This is Bill. He's like, I know how to do it. And he's like, I'd get away with it. And then he goes, but would I? No. Could I? Yes. And I think that's like the big thing is, is that we kind of look at people as like, there's something sick and wrong with them. But like anyone can kill any person. Mm-hmm. It's just that for most of us, there's a thing in our mind where we go, should I murder this person? No, I should not kill because killing is bad. Like, no, even if it's not something that we consciously think about, there's just that moral gauge. And for some people, there's just no moral gauge. Right. I thought this part was interesting. Ted talks about how women send him naughty pictures all the time, like very provocative. Mm -hmm. And so Bill goes, oh, your cell must be like lined with them. And he goes, oh, no, I trade them. And he's like, why would you do that? And he goes, oh, because I'll get more tomorrow. And I was like, oh, shit, you cocky motherfucker. And so then at this point in the movie, it's suddenly 1989, which is like we all know. And the governor of Florida signs his death penalty and it's seven days. And typically, I guess, in the state of Florida, it was 60 days. And, you know, normally the fast turnaround is 30 days. But this guy was like, "Mm, I'm going to kill this fucker. And Ted knows it. So then his civil attorney, Carolyn Lieberman, comes in. And Carolyn is like, I'm going to be in charge. You can just, Bill's got to take a back seat to me, blah, blah, blah. And this is where Ted goes. I told Tara this earlier. And Tara was like, what? (laughs) Ted says, Bill's going to handle the scheduling. I trust Bill. And he's touching Carolyn. And there's this moment where you think that like, oh, this is a reason why Carolyn is doing this because she looks like she's enjoying it. But you find out later it's more of like a repulsion. Like, uh, like, like the reason she closed her eyes isn't because she's savoring that moment. Like they were wanting you to think it was like, oh, fuck, this dude is touching me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Poor lady. (laughs) Right. But basically he's like, Bill's my best friend. And Bill's face was like... (laughs) The fuck? We're not. No, we're not best friends. That doesn't scan. We're not friends. Like, so then he kicks everyone. Carolyn's like, okay, we got to get these things going. We got to get like our team in here and ask you questions, get everything lined up. And Ted's like, everyone out. I want to talk to Bill. So then he starts having this like heart to heart with Bill. Like, I can't believe they're doing this. They could have given me 60 days. They could have given me 30 days. And he's like, I just, it's so fast. And Bill's kind of like, he doesn't say it like this, but this is the attitude. It's like, bitch, you've had eight years. <laughs> like, you've expected this. And Ted goes, I just really didn't, you know, think that this was 
going to happen? Right. So he starts talking to Bill. He brings up Idaho again. Bill's like, why does Idaho keep coming up? And he's like, because I killed two girls in Idaho. And he goes, how many are there? And he goes, states? And he goes, no, women. And he goes, I can cop to 30. He's like, that's a nice round number or a solid number. And he's like, no, how many are there? And this is where like Ted says, like, I can't give you that number because I don't know if some women lived or died. And he's like, what the fuck do you mean? He's like, I would attack these women and then go back to my car and then walk back over to the clearing where they were and they were gone and I'd search for them. He's like, so I don't know if they escaped or if they died in the woods. Like, I just don't know. He's like, I can't give you a realistic number, which I remember in one of the movies we were or like one of the interviews they were showing um, that woman who was like, I was attacked by Ted Bundy and then just like escaped in the river. I was like, oh, no, this story tracks now. Like for a while, it's like, "Mm, were you attacked by Ted? Are you just saying that? But like this story tracks and there could be dozens more women out there who escaped from Ted Bundy and have just never said anything. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God. The holidays can be hectic, but HelloFresh helps keep things simple with recipes and ingredients that cut out grocery shopping and limit meal prep so you can spend more of the festive season with your family and friends. HelloFresh isn't just for meals. Their marketplace features a variety of add-ons for breakfast, desserts, and seasonal snacks, like Pillsbury pumpkin cookie dough, which, like, pumpkin everything, Mm -hmm. please give me. (laughs) Truth, truth. I mean, I love HelloFresh. It makes life so simple. You don't have to think about going to the grocery store. You can just reach into your fridge, all the ingredients you need, and it helps cut down on food waste. Because I will be honest, like, sometimes I'm like, I'm going to make this for dinner, and I have to buy, like, 9 million ingredients. But one thing I love about HelloFresh is they send you what you need. So you're not buying a giant tub of like sour cream if you only need like two tablespoons. You know, they're sending you two tablespoons. Mm -hmm. It's so great in that. And then it's just like the recipes are easy to follow. There's pictures. I really like it because it just makes my life simple. Mm -hmm. I love that. And it's especially during the holidays, the grocery stores get so Mm -hmm. busy. I just. Oh, I know. I'm not here for that. So this makes life so much easier. And if you all want to get in on this, go to HelloFresh.com slash SpookedGirls14 and use the code SpookedGirls14 for up to 14 free meals. Meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash SpookedGirls14 and use our code SpookedGirls14. Thank you to HelloFresh for sponsoring the podcast. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And then he starts talking about them. He tells Bill, some he calls them dry victims. And he's like, what do you mean dry victims? And he goes, they're victims that I never killed. I would stalk them. I'd plan everything out. I'd get going where I need to get going. And then I'd go to kill them. And then I would ask myself, are you going to kill this person? And I would say no and just walk away. And he's like, the minute you can't say no and walk away, you're in trouble. And he goes, well, what about Diane Lynch, which is like his last victim, who's the 12-year-old? And he goes, she was a mistake. The others were a choice. She was a mistake. And he goes, what the fuck are you talking about? And he goes, I couldn't say no. And that's how he got caught is because he couldn't say no. Like the compulsion had taken over. And it's an interesting thing to hear somebody say that from like Ted's perspective versus like how we've always speculated that, but to have it Mm -hmm. kind of like more confirmed. And these were done through either the recordings that Bill had made or his recollections of his time with Ted, by the way. And Bill's like, why are you talking to me? And he's like, you've always treated me like a human. And Ted asks him, like, how long have you known that I've been guilty? And he goes, from the minute you walked in the door. And Bill says, how long have you known that I've known that you were guilty? And he's like, the minute 
I walked through the door. So they've had this like relationship for all of these years. And it's been like they both understand that the person in the handcuffs is where he needs to be. But he says, you treated me like a human being. I was like, I understand because for psychological reasons, you can't really get people to like talk about it. Just the simple fact you have to build rapport. Mm -hmm. Ted tells Bill, by the end of this week, I will tell you everything. I will confess everything. But we got to get through this. So then all the detectives come out and, you know, we know that Ted is like given some stuff away and he held back because he was trying that like, I have more information and everything like that. And something I totally never put two and two together. Apparently, there was a moratorium on press. Like, there weren't supposed to be any press in there. But fucking James Dobson, Mr. Televangelist himself, got in there. And this is, like, one of those moments in this movie that was really done well. Amber Seeley, who's the director, this was absolutely fantastic. James is inter- is interviewing Ted, and the- he has a young female assistant. And it's just, like, panning into her head, like, onto her face. And she's, like, fighting back crying. Because this man is talking about how pornography led him to this. And this was Ted's spin on that. So that was a really kind of crazy part of this movie. Then they do all the detectives. The detectives come through and they're talking. And one of the detectives knows somebody. And so Ted shuts down and Bill calls him on it. He's like, why the fuck are you holding back? You promised you would tell them. He's like, he knows her. So he made the detective confirm that he knew this person. And then he kind of tells people. And then he's like, like, he doesn't know right in Idaho where he killed these people. He's asking for maps. He's like, he's being very like cunning with his answers. Like he's giving them answers, but he's totally holding back. And then it's literally the day before his execution and Bill and him are hanging out in a gym. He's just like, people think I'm crazy because we all know what happened outside the media circus, the people shouting for Ted to fry. I mean, this was literally, oh, before I go on, the reason they allowed James Dobson to have an interview is because apparently James and the governor of Florida were friends. So he, Mm. they felt like if James could talk to the governor, they would be able to get a stay of execution. This is like, ooh, this is like, you know that that motherfucker is a snake. I'm going to call James Dobson out on this. Fuck your 700 club. (laughs) (laughs) This is the truth, though. Like, they totally thought he was there to, like, help Ted and get the story and understand. And he's like, oh, no. The governor was never going to give him a stay of execution. Like, we never even talked to the governor. We know he's never going to do this. We took seven hours of time away from detectives to set up and do all this shit and get a proper interview. But we're never going to help. And we're going to air this shit. And on top of that, I'm not going to care that like, oh, now now Ted can go to Jesus with a clean slate. That's that's the win here. (laughs) So his civil attorney is just like, the fuck just happened? So then it's flash forward. They're in the gym. You know, Ted is just not really participating. He's like, these people are crazy, blah, blah, blah. Like, they're trying to kill me. And what I think was really interesting is that Ted is, like, having these human moments where he's like, I don't want to die. Like, I don't think this is fair, blah, blah, blah. And Bill is like, you have to die because there are families out there and you have to die for each one of the women you killed independently. Like, you have to atone for every single one. And I was like, that's so powerful. And Ted kind of, like, un- like you can see he's getting it. Like, okay, I understand. And then there's this, like, truly fucked up scene where Bill's like, you promised you would take me out of the water and because psychologically, I got to know. And he starts just going in and it's like it starts with Ted grabbing his wrists and like talking him through 
the stalking, the picking, the abducting things. And then it kind of like flips over and like Bill is doing some of the talking. But I don't know if that's like real or just like, I don't know. It was it was just like psychologically that fucked me up for a minute. I was like, holy (laughs) shit. Because what Ted said at the beginning is the only way you're going to catch them is to become one of them. And they're like flashing through this like it's Bill. It seems like Bill is stalking a woman driving through a neighborhood, watching a woman walk, all of this stuff. You know, Ted is talking about how he took a girl because he had stalked her long enough to know that her father was sick. So then he showed up and told her that his father, her father had had a heart attack and that he abducted her and he took her into the woods and all these things and details out the killing. Like, this is the part in the movie where you're like, oh, okay, this is where the murders happen. But they like, he talks about it and Bill is there and it's just this like, crazy flip back and forth camera work and it's just psychologically i was like holy shit this is um i'm gonna go watch gilmore girls and laugh about something else because i need this gone and then it's over and you know the last part of that is while this is all happening there's like scenes of water like ocean like bill or ted is taking bill under and then you just see the last scene of that is that bill plunges into water who i'm assuming is bill Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. plunges into water and so then ted goes like to get prepared they're doing the whole like shaving the head thing that you know they're trying there's no appeals left they know they're not getting anything carolyn is distraught bill tells her to go home to her husband and kids and she like spitfire that woman goes does anyone tell you to go home to your kids and she says like she's like i know what people say about me and him she's like i think i hate ted bundy more than anyone else does because you realize if you compare that to the scene earlier where he like touches her arm and kind of like caresses her like you think she's being like oh i love this man but really it's i fucking hate this dude Mm -hmm. but i have a civil duty as an attorney like this is my job um and everybody deserves to have someone do the work so i was like okay and then bill's supposed to stay around for the execution and the warden basically bumps him so that his family, the warden's family, can come see the execution. Which I'm like, why the fuck would you want to go? Right? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that would be so like, no, thank you. I don't want to watch that. So then Bill calls his, he, he was wanting to talk to his wife, but he calls and he gets his son on the phone. And they're just talking about like a Lego set while this is all happening. And then Bill packs up and goes home. And then it's like, you know, he was a profiler for like 40 something. Like he worked for the FBI for 40 years. He's retired now. And it's just like we have the understanding that we have now thanks to men like him. And so I liked this movie because it wasn't like that glorifying Ted Bundy murderer type movie. I mean, granted, I did love the thirst trap that was Zac Efron, (laughs) but that's just because I like Zac Efron. But this was so different in the fact that this is after he's been caught. This is dealing with the psychological aspect of it. So I would recommend watching it if you like those kind of movies. I was going to say, this seems more like it's Bill's movie. It is. Versus Ted Bundy's movie. I think that's what it is. And basically, the reason it's called No Man of God is throughout this, like, Bill is talking about his relationship, how he prays, how he does, like, how he has a relationship with God, and that Ted kind of needs one. And Ted kind of, like, is scoffing it, like, you don't think God is going to like accept me type thing. And Carolyn mocks it. But it's Bill's story mm-hmm. about Bill's interactions with Ted Bundy and how it really put Ted Bundy really did help the FBI build profiles and how to think about getting caught. Because the original getting caught was Ted doing something dumb that was unrelated to his murder charges. He was driving down the street with his headlights off and then couldn't talk his way out of it. 
And then that snowballed. And then everything after that became spree-like and manic. Because if you look at Ted Bundy pre-getting arrested and then Ted Bundy in Florida, he's manic in Florida. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's calm, cool, and collected before that. So it was interesting. And one of the things I didn't mention, but he talked about like what would happen. Bill or he asked Bill, what do you think it would do if I escaped? Like if I got out of here and he goes, oh, I couldn't even begin to tell you. And he's like, no, tell me. And then he just was like, you because remember, Ted is married um, and he goes, you would drive to you would steal a car. You would drive to Washington. You would take a few people out. You would take out the man who's fucking your wife and you would, you know, take out some a reporter that bothers you, who writes bad things, a detective, and then you would go to Canada and we'd never see you again. And I think this is the moment Ted was like, oh shit, he in my head. Because <laughs> he's like, that's my plan. <laughs> so I enjoyed it. That is it for today. We will see you back here on Monday for another episode. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.